Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Media Boat Podcast, your weekly episodes for talk on movies, TV, music, and video games. Not necessarily in that order. My name is Mike. His name is Matt. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. Yes, all of that is true. We're the Media Boat Podcast. Today is July the 25th, 2023. This is episode 393. You have handily written it on top of the form. Yes, Thank I don't realize. I just realized that we could have always done that. <laughs> <laughs> that was you know, always an option that we had on hand. <laughs> how many times in this show have we thought, wow, how we? why haven't we always been doing it this way? <laughs> so it's just tradition, really. It's media boat tradition to realize something way too late. <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, uh, thanks everybody for joining us uh, when you're watching this in the future, because obviously you can't watch this one live. Um, but yeah, we're here to deliver all of the news for you. Before you ask, we didn't see Barbie, but Mike saw Oppenheimer. Oh, so we... I'll talk about Oppenheimer yes. and the IMAX issues that came with it. Yes, I heard that there were widespread issues with a 70 millimeter print. Yes. Uh, we'll get there, but we'll get there we get at that, the end of the podcast, though. Correct. We'll end with movies. Um, today, we'll start, as always, the with music the section. music section. And we start the music with the billboard. And we start the billboard with the Hot 100. And the hottest song in the land is Seven by Jungkook featuring Lotto. Uh, is this yeah. the BTS guy? Yes, yet another example of a BTS member making a solo hit. Um, and I believe it's the third uh, BTS member to make a number one hit on the Billboard One Hot 100, which is pretty good. They have a pretty good track record. Well, you know, that's what happens when you um, launch stuff in the big towns. <laughs> because if you try that in a small town, oh boy, you get number two. And that's what Jason Aldean did. Number two that. is right. <laughs> yes. Try that in a small town by Jason Number Dean. Number Dean. <laughs> Jason Aldean, number two. So yeah, we talked about it last week. Uh, there's a bit of controversy around the single, which is likely why you see it in the top five this week. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute here. Yes, yes, we will. Uh, at number three, Last Night by Morgan Wallen. Speaking of controversy. Coming at four, Fast Car by Luke Combs. And rounding out your top five, Calm Down by Rima and Selena Gomez. Yep. So, as I mentioned last week, we had a rise in country music in the top 100. This is now three songs in the top 100. Yeah, it continues. By country music artists. Uh, as for your Billboard 200, your albums chart, at number one, and still number one, Speak Now, Taylor's version by Taylor Swift. At number two, One Thing at a Time by Morgan Wallen. At three, Genesis by Peso Pluma. At four, Midnights by Taylor Swift. And rounding out your top five, Dangerous, the double album by Morgan Wallen. <laughs> so three artists in the top five slots. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think overall the, the, the charts this week, um, you really get this vision of a very divided, uh, United States here. You have 
the country songs that are very loaded with controversy. And then you have the pop songs <laughs> fighting each other constantly at neck and neck. And so, yeah, it's it's an interesting dynamic we have right now in our charts. How much is that the microcosm that is the um, country music solely and wholeheartedly going all in on these artists, whereas everyone else is spreading out their genre listening and still making the top top 100 top 200 well it's interesting because this week in particular is interesting because you have a bt former bts member and number mm -hmm. one here that's notable because the whole getting an entire fan base to support a single to push it to number one by sheer will that is a thing that originates with the K-pop community. Right. We've seen, we started seeing that kind of thing first with them. And so it's really notable here that almost that the, the people that are supporting these country artists are almost using the same tactics as the K-pop people did. So it's slowly spreading. That strategy but is spreading. But they're still coming up short. They're still not still, hitting number one. You can't beat well, at least the not army. this week. They or Morgan Wallen has been in the top 100 and Billboard 200 for a while now. Here you go. I'll put it this way. They might love the troops, but they can't <laughs> beat the army. If you know, you Wait. know. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> I got that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Never mind. Never mind. I got it. Someone is laughing right now. Someone out there. Someone. I got somebody there. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. All right. If you didn't like any of those albums, we have new releases, including Natural Disaster, just just a why of a name, <laughs> by Bethany Cosentino. That would be the same Bethany Cosentino, formerly of Best Coast. Uh, this is her first solo record. And Natural Disaster. Hey, you know, sometimes you feel like a natural disaster. I get it. I mean, I guess better than an actual disaster. <laughs> uh, there's also They Live in My Head by Bush Tetris. Sure. The Feminine Divide by Dexys. So, fun fact, that sounds familiar for a reason. Formerly known as Dexys Midnight Runners. AKA is that the same? The group that gave you Come On Eileen. Mm -hmm. That is the same Dexys. They renamed themselves. They're no longer Midnight Runners? No, it's just Dexys now. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Ask them. Why? No, that's, that <laughs> defeats the purpose. They're Dexys Midnight Runners. <laughs> well, not anymore. All right. Uh, there's also Skinamax, <laughs> side B, by Fly Anakin. <laughs> Austin, by Post Malone. Yes, that Post Malone. Yeah. Here with another album. It's back. Um, I Am Not There Anymore by The Clientele. And lastly, Utopia by Travis Scott. So yeah, yes. this was technically news this week, but I did not include it in our news. Uh, Travis Scott, this is a surprise album release for mm -hmm. the next week. Um, he announced it out of nowhere a couple days ago. He also, in tandem, announced a film that would accompany the release of the album that will be uh, released by A24. So uh, there you go. Yeah. Sure. We'll get to A24 a bit later, actually. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the music news then. And as we mentioned, number two 
Jason Aldean <laughs> is in the news because yes. he played his first concert on Friday since his Vigilante Anthem and number two song on the top 100, Try That in a Small Town, stirred up a national firestorm, soaking up Cincinnati's crowd adoration, which is in no way a small town on its own. No. <laughs> <laughs> Cincinnati. Yes. Uh, this is also right after he railed, uh, their words, not mine, against cancel culture being responsible for the opposition to his divisive, violence-threatening song and video. Quote, in my best uh, Jason Aldean impression, mm-hmm. It's been a long week. I've seen a lot of stuff suggesting I'm this, suggesting I'm that. I feel everybody's entitled to their opinion. You can think something all you want. It doesn't mean it's true. What I am is a proud American. I love our country. I want to see it restored to what it once was before all this bullshit started happening to us. I love my country. I love my family, and I'll do anything to protect that. (laughs) As the Cincinnati crowd uh, at Riverbed Music Center uh, chants and booze. But yeah. Okay. Okay. So I have two questions for you, and I I want you to genuinely try to answer this because I'm genuinely curious. I honestly (laughs) do not know the answer to this question. Who was so, I trying to imitate? Well, no. <laughs> I'm going to leave that alone. But okay. That was beautiful. I'm glad that it happened. Um, no, I, I have questions about the sentence. Um, the sentence specifically, I want to see it restored. I love our country. I want to see it restored to what it once was before all this bullshit started happening to us. Okay, just think about that sentence for a second. I have two questions about that sentence. One, what is the bullshit he's referring to? And two, who is us? Oh, he's obviously talking about the Nazis. <laughs> Is he not? I don't know. That's why I'm asking. I legitimately don't know what he's talking about. That's what he's. Uh, that's what he's talking about. What? I all feel everybody's entitled to their Nazi opinion. What? You bullshit? can think something all you want, like being a Nazi, but it doesn't mean <laughs> that it's true. What I am is a proud Nazi fighting American. <laughs> Okay. And I love our country. I just want to be very clear here. The Media Vote Podcast is not calling Jason Eldeen or anyone who likes Jason Eldeen a Nazi. Just want to get that across. I th- I'm just want to say that what he is saying to me <laughs> as I read this is that he is a proud American who loves our country who fought mm. against Nazis. That he would want to see it restored to what it once was back in World War II, where we punched Hitler in the face. <laughs> You know, before all this bullshit started happening to us. I'm I'm just genuinely confused. That's all I'm saying. I genuinely don't know what that sentence is trying to say. Well, it, I see. That's the whole, like, pull. It's hey. funny how he's trying not to be politically correct, right. but while in the same sentence makes a very vague sentiment that can go, <laughs> funny enough, both ways, Jason Aldean. You do know that yeah. your sentence goes both ways. It's just funny to me that he made this huge, like he went on social media. Does that make a bi sentence? (laughs) It goes both ways. Maybe. Uh, But yeah, anyway, he just went to, it's just frustrating because he went on social media. Bicentical. 
Okay. All right. Um, he went on social media to say about like, I don't understand what people are talking about. Like, I'm not trying to incite violence, all this stuff, right? So despite the song, like, what if, say, we take Jason Aldean's uh, for word, like, for his word, and he's, we just say, okay, yeah, sure, the song is innocuous, whatever. Then whatever. But the but the way he phrases it here sounds like there's still some sort that, like, you're right, that there's some, some still, he wants to politicize it, even though he's saying it's not a political statement. Mm -hmm. It's like this statement becomes a political statement. Is as soon as you're saying, oh, there's an there's a them that's against us, then that yes. brings on the question. Th then that starts people asking questions, right? Like, wait, who is us? Who is them? Because before you just said, well, I wrote a song about being in a small town. And I wanted to talk about being in a small town, but all of a sudden now it's about restoring America, and now all of a sudden it's about this bigger fight against you know what cancel it is. culture. Like no, what no. happened between it is, last week and this It week? is the most anti-abortion song there is. <laughs> he wants large government out of the small town. So, okay. I think, I know you're you're being a little arch and I get what you're trying yes. to do. But but I genuinely do think that I think that the, 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 the thing you can insert here in that sentence, it, it's gun control, right? The song is ostensibly about gun control. Yes, like, I mean, there's the yeah, there's, there's the literal about, line in there that says that my grandpa gave me his gun. gun. Yeah, like that's literally that's text that's in the song. And so if you place that in the sentence, I guess it kind of makes sense. But so yeah, the bullshit he's referring to, I guess, in that context, is the the threat of gun rights being taken away from him the threat of his second amendment rights quote unquote you know whatever that mean, be, may mm -hmm. be but the fact that he doesn't say that and that he leaves it open to interpretation is incredible incredibly worrying and it happens so much with these conservative talking points is that if you open the door wide open like you're saying and what you're like this bit you're doing is a perfect example of this <laughs> right where it's like you can insert any sort of worse thing in the place of that because they're not being specific with what they're trying to say. They want it to be broad because they know that their audience wants to put whatever their crusade is in that sentence. Mm -hmm. They want to believe that this is an anthem for them because that's this whole, this the whole community, that's how they work. Well, it's and like, uh, you know, the... Yes, Elvis, no Elvis buttons. They all go to the same pocket. You want to appear to appeal to the, the mass audience as long as yeah. you're still getting the money and you're gonna play, funny enough, both sides. Yeah. So you do not technically commit to one side or the right. other. Yeah. Because otherwise you're gonna alienate the other side or the other. Yeah. It's an empty statement. It's empty politics. it's it's empty patriotism that means nothing. That just gets people to chant USA. I just, uh, it's just yes, but if you say this in front of an American flag, then it is full patriotism. Yeah. <laughs> that's not hollow. <laughs> not partial. No, yeah. No, you're right. Uh, but yeah, anyway, that's I just wanted to ask those questions because I was genuinely confused by that sentence. It's like, you've got to be specific. Like, you can't just say, well, or do you? Because our next story shows you what um, something could how someone with i guess a good intent could also end up looking like a jackass uh so really it depends on how you're looking at it uh let's talk about a different guy on the different end of a spectrum who's also uh, making a big show in uh, certain ways yes so uh former Bo to taylor swift and current 1975 <laughs> frontman matt healy 
had some choice words for the Malaysian government pertaining to its extreme anti-LGBTQ laws mm -hmm. while performing in that country's capital city, uh, Kuala Lumpur. Uh, this was on July 21st. Quote, I made a mistake. When we were booking shows, I wasn't looking into it. I don't see the fucking point. Dot, dot, dot of inviting the 1975 to a country and then telling us who we can have sex with. Healy said before cutting the concert, a headline slot at Good Vibes Festival, short. Quote, I'm sorry if that offends you and you're religious, but your government is a bunch of fucking... Mm -hmm. Insert our word here. I don't care anymore. If you push, I'm going to push back. I'm not in the fucking mood. Uh, this was shortly afterward, and then shortly afterwards, the Malaysian government banned the 1975 from returning to perform, but not before yeah. Matt Healy turned to his guitarist yes. and kissed him. So, yeah, a um, couple of things in play here. Yeah, uh, that wasn't in the story. I'm glad you mentioned it. I was going to mention it. Uh, his bassist. He apparently went and made out with his bassist on stage. Um, so yeah, Malaysian government, classically anti-gay, uh, the 1975, not a necessarily a band that's hard to misinterpret. They have songs that are very clearly, you know, like they're a pretty progressive band mm -hmm. and Healy. All right. So here's the thing. I get why my Maddie Healy did what he did. I get why he said what he said. It comes from probably a good place. I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt from that perspective. However, the ableist slur, Matty Healy. This is not 2010. I'm sorry. Come on. Like, think about the, the steps forward, steps backwards. You know, think about that kind of process. It's exactly the same Matty Healy we see, see doing these podcasts. You know, it's like, this is the guy that we're dealing with. He's a guy that, you know, purportedly has these very progressive stances and then puts his foot in his mouth as soon as he can. So this is just yet another example of that. So yeah, Malaysia... Also, not a great look. Like, obviously, you want to, you know, appear that you're, you know, uh, pleasing your youth, uh, like the youth of your country with putting bands that they like, but then immediately could prohibit the band from doing the thing that the band does. Not great. But also, Matty Healy maybe should have done his research, and maybe they shouldn't have even played there. Like, it's kind of this back and forth, like, both sides of this thing come out looking pretty bad at the end of it, and... Well, I'm does it all that... go back to whoever booked the 1975? Was yeah. it the concert in the venue, or was it their manager? Also very funny that this thing was called the Good Vibes Festival. <laughs> this does not <laughs> seem to be a good vibe for anyone involved. Um, but yeah, again, the, the statement, overall, probably a good statement. The youth in Malaysia need to see that kind of thing. They need to know that that's available to them. They need to know that they can express themselves. The government, you know, like prohibits them from doing that. And so, yeah, in that way, this is a good thing for people to see on a world stage. But the way he went about it is not ideal. And um, yeah, it's just Maddie Healy remains an interesting, but like a fascinating, but confusing <laughs> and contradictory character. And it's just weird to see him slowly fall apart in front of everyone. Um was this before or after Taylor Swift? Well, definitely after. Um, <laughs> I don't know if she touched 
touch him at this point. Uh, this is this is some rough stuff. I mean, I wouldn't have been in the first place either, but who who can say? Right. Anyway, anyways, so, what you can say is what you listen to. Nothing this week. Uh, no, no. Just did some catch up. Um, I'll have more to talk about next week. I think. All right. Uh, so, are you going to listen to the Post Malone record? Or the Travis Scott record, or the Dexys Midnight Runners. <laughs> we'll see what I get to. How about that? All right. Uh, I might try and listen to Austin. Austin. Yeah, but we'll see. We'll see let's if I see. get there. All right. In the meantime, let's move over to video games, and we start with new releases. And ooh, it's couch co-op time. Disney Illusion Island for the Switch. Finally here. You like Mickey Mouse? You like platformer starring Mickey Mouse? I like Couch Co-op. There you go. Uh, there's also Double Dragon Guided, colon, Rise of the Dragons. Mm-hmm. For everything. If you got it, you own it, get your dragon on. Speaking of uh, Couch Co-op, I bet it's here. Mm-hmm. You like classic arcade brawlers. Uh, there's also The Expanse, colon, a Telltale series, yeah. episode one, for everything but the Switch. This is the revived Telltale, um, and yeah, based on The Expanse, the sci-fi uh, show. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also Formula Un Manager for 2023. Mm-hmm. That's out for everything but the Switch. Uh, Pixel Junk Scrappers Deluxe for the PS4, PS5, Switch, and PC. Radiant Tail for the Switch. Mr. Run and Jump. Wow. Or everything. You got it? You can play it. He does both? Yes, he does. Uh, well, he's Mr. Run, and then there's Jump with his sidekick Jump. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Okay. Uh, with his <laughs> um, fiance Jump. Then. <laughs> Mr. Run and Miss Jump. Aw. Well, it's Miss and not Mrs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or is it Mrs. and not Miss? Which is, <laughs> I don't know, it's been so long. I don't forget which one it goes for. Uh, there's also Remnant 2 for the PS5, Xbox Series X, and PC. Yep. And lastly, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart for the PC. <laughs> Rift Apart. That's what I said. Okay. Rift Apart. Uh, that's your PC port. So look out. Modding Community. It's on its way. Please don't don't do anything weird to uh what's her name? Um Rivet. Rivet. Yeah, don't do anything weird to Rivet. Please leave I mean, her alone. Essentially what they what they're probably gonna do, what someone's gonna do is either make it an all rivet game or an all ratchet game and just reskin them. I mean, yeah, make her playable, that's fine. I'm just worried about some of the creepier sides of the internet. <laughs> just Where you have Rivet as a, a skin for clank. Yeah, leave her alone. Leave and her alone. You just ratchet with rivet on the back. <laughs> okay, all right. I don't know what fan art you're looking at. Or you can reverse it with rivet and ratchet. On all the right, back. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's before we go down an aisle, we don't want to go down. Yes, uh, before we jump down that lumbox hole, we got a couple of Xbox. Xbox stories. Yes, starting with uh, Xbox Live. So note about yeah. this. This technically happened last week. I forgot to include it in the news. It's kind of a big deal, so we're covering it. It's okay, because it's not happening yet. It's happening on September 14th. Um, Officially, on September 14th, Xbox Live Gold will be 
no more. Press F to pay respects. <laughs> Which is weird because the 14th is a Thursday. Well, there you go. Uh, so, replacing the 20-year-old service will be Xbox Game Pass Core, a subscription that will give you access to a collection of about 25 or so Game Pass titles, as well as online multiplayer. As a result, the games with Gold Service will also be discontinued, though any games granted through this service will remain playable in your account, even if you choose to cancel your membership. So if you're not in the Xbox ecosystem, this might be a little confusing to you, so let me break it down. So before Game Pass existed, Xbox Live had two tiers, silver and gold. Silver mm -hmm. was the free tier. It gave you some perks, but eventually they locked online play to gold, which you had to have to play games online. Um, they also eventually introduced games with gold was an additional incentive. It's exactly like the PlayStation Plus games, where every month they're like, here's two free games you can download. Um, so Xbox Live Gold as a title is going away. Xbox Live as a title is going away. Um, Game Pass Ultimate already got you all of the stuff that gold got you. Well, now it, Game Pass Core is introduced as kind of a replacement for Live Gold and is below Ultimate. So instead of getting access to all of the Game Pass games like you do in Ultimate, this just gives you like a smattering of ones that they've chosen for you. So it'll be like stuff like Halo Infinite, Forza Motorsport, a lot of the single, uh, a lot of the first party games and, and a selection of third party choices. That's what you'll get in the core package. And then, yeah, the, the nice thing they're doing though about the games with gold stuff is that if you had ever like purchased quote unquote like gotten like received the game from the service even if you decide and eh, you know what i'm done paying like paying for any of this you'll still be able to have that attached to your account going forward they're actually gifting everybody before if you got rid of your gold subscription poof the game you couldn't have access to it mm -hmm. no longer the case they're just being like that's eh, fine and honestly it was time for that thing to go after game pass was introduced the choices that they've made for free games with gold titles, the quality's gone really downhill. So it makes sense. This is this is a move that makes sense to do. Um, so yeah, it's just a matter of time. We knew this was going to be Microsoft's plan for a while now. They want to move everybody towards Game Pass. This is a way to do that. So makes sense. And like you said, most people probably moved to the Ultimate because it was just right. Game Pass with right. or the Xbox Live Gold with the extra content yeah. adding xbox game pass core feels more like a basic tier structure now compared to yeah. the ultimate tier i think it makes more sense now for somebody coming in new as an xbox uh player mm -hmm. instead of somebody from who's been playing the whole time which, right they just didn't want to know. call it essentials <laughs> <laughs> no the, the, it's a lot clearer than the playstation branding i will give them that yes all right uh but that's not the only thing Microsoft was in the news for, because we have a bit of an update. As Microsoft and Activision Blizzard, King, have agreed <laughs> to extend their merger. I thought we talked about this last week. So we we mentioned la the last week's story was that they were going to extend it, but we didn't know to when. Oh, we yes. Have October 18th now. now. Yes. yes. So you get your Xbox Live turned off on September 14th <laughs> and have to wait for the merger to be completed on October 18th. 
so okay here's what this means uh because the story just basically says this happened uh but really what what it actually means is that just is a new deadline for for microsoft and activision to create a new deal together uh so they're giving them them themselves like they're giving themselves a new date this means that that doesn't mean that we're gonna have to wait until october for this to resolve in theory, they could resolve this before that, way before that. They could resolve it next week if they wanted to. They could have a new number that they're going to settle on and go back to the CMA in the UK and be like, okay, here's our new deal. They could do that anytime between now and October 18. It's just that they needed to have some sort of deadline just in case it took longer than expected uh, to get the ball rolling on the new deal. So... In all likelihood, uh, this will happen beforehand, but at least we know that definitely by October 18th, they plan on getting this done. Let's see, this is supposed to be done on the 15th, right? July 14th? It was supposed to be on the 18th, Tuesday. Last Tuesday. On the, on the 18th, okay. So an extra 90 days. Yeah, exactly. It's a 90-day extension. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's only a matter of time until I'm sure that we hear them do something here. Uh, but it gives them a nice runway just in case the CMA does see a new deal and says, actually, no, we're going to want to do something about this again. And they're caught in something again, which could happen. I mean, it could, but honestly, Seems unlikely. probably unlikely, yes. As soon as the FTC uh, like basically waived their ruling, uh, I think at this point it's a done deal. It's just a matter of them figuring out a new dollar number for Activision to make everybody happy. Yeah. All right. Uh, speaking of dollars and making Blizzard happy, you played some Diablo. I played more Diablo. Um, I'll just be brief here. Uh, season the season one, which is called Season of the Malignant of uh, Diablo Four, launched this week. Um, basically, if you don't know what it means, it's a way to keep the pl- people who have already finished the campaign busy. Uh, if you finish the campaign... Oh, I thought you were saying what Malignant was. <laughs> no, I'll get there. Uh, but yeah, so it's a, it's just a way to like to extend, allow people to roll a new character and do some stuff with that new character that they weren't able to do before. So if you've already completed the campaign, you can go in, skip the campaign with a new character and just do this new, new stuff. Honestly, it's not a whole lot. One introduces a season pass that you can pay for. It's $9.00. Uh, if you purchase it, then you can get a lot of extra stuff, a lot of um, a lot of what's the term? Uh, just Gear, stuff to, to skins, change. yeah, skins outfits. essentially, yeah, stuff that cosmetics, uh, cosmetics mm-hmm. that that you wouldn't have gotten before. There are some light new story elements. The season of the malignants comes from the fact that there's now malignancy uh, in certain items and malignant hearts that you can put in items to enhance them and it's just a adaptation a new version of the um one of the already existing elements of the game which was accessorizing parts with these like bolt-in uh jewels essentially these heart malignant hearts now instead of the jewels you put those in your armor or your jewelry or accessories and they do different things they have different effects they increase your armor amount or they do special like effects to the item or that change the gameplay a little bit um it's a weird mechanic though because the way that you get them is you'll beat like a mini boss in a dungeon and then a little heart will show up and it'll be like if you select it 
you have to beat them again. You have to basically do the same battle you just did a second time to get their malignant heart. And yeah, if that sounds kind of repetitive, it is. And the practice of doing it is kind of a pain. I did it for the first sit down. And then the second time I was like, you know what? I'm going to skip some of these until I have an item that I need a malignant heart <laughs> for. Because I really don't want to do these battles twice every single time. So it's not a great mechanic. I'm a little suspicious of it. However, the cool thing about this stuff is the season pass stuff and how everything hinges on basically a lot of mini achievements. So basically you will unlock a bunch of stuff just by playing the game, which is the cool part. So that, that I'm having fun with just being able to like wrap up a bunch of side quests and just kind of go through the world. Now that I finished the campaign and do whatever I want and unlock a whole lot of stuff on the way. It's been a, been a fun time. Diablo Fort still continues to be fun. Now, anyway. That's it. What about the battle pass and the um, amount of coins needed for it? <laughs> so, no, well, you're like I said, you're paying the equivalent of ten, of about nine ninety nine, ten dollars to purchase the premium. If you don't purchase the premium, there are certain things you can still get free on a battle pass, just like most battle passes, like the ones in like Fortnite stuff. There are things you can unlock. Uh, the premium currency is the only thing you can use to buy the premium battle pass. There's no way to get it naturally through the game. Um, you can't convert, for example, in-game gold into platinum. That's just premium. That's only something you can purchase with real-life money. Um, so, yeah. Well, I was talking about like how it's 666 coins, right? What? For the uh, platinum payout. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. No. <laughs> I don't know. Um, because there's a thing going around about how like it's predatory because it's 666 and it's a thousand <laughs> coins. And so you have like a mathematically a rollover by the time you get to season three of uh, being too coming shy. I did not see this. Uh, like I said, I just ended up just spending the the ten dollars and just getting the thousand platinum and just paying it that way. What I did see is people complaining about the way that the menus are set up. It's very easy to accidentally hit the buy the premium, mm -hmm. and if you're on a platform that already has your payment information hooked up to it, say like Battle.net, uh, as opposed to something like Microsoft, like Xbox, where there's another layer there, it might be very easy to accidentally spend money. Um, so I think that's what people did say is potentially predatory about it. It does look like they're going to change the setup of those menus. Uh, Blizzard's already said that they are looking into that. Um, so yeah, there's some, you're right. There has been some controversy about that. Uh, but I wasn't aware of the 666 coin thing. Yeah. Just uh, do a quick search for, um, Diablo <laughs> 4 coins. <laughs> I'll take a look at that later, but oh, you can take a look at that while I <laughs> explain my thoughts on Final Fantasy 16. Because, uh, yes. as I mentioned, I was going to stream the last bit of it. I ended up doing both a penultimate stream and then a final stream, which occurred oh, yesterday. Okay. You can see that on twitch.tv backslash media boat. And yeah, so I beat the game, like you did I beat it. the core game. I finally did it. Yay! But I did not platinum the game. Turns out I'm about five trophies shy. Well, actually, I'm eight trophies shy. <laughs> Half of them are um, battle uh, stuff, like stuff that you have to do specifically in a fight. Um, and the other is beat the game on New Game Plus in 
Final Fantasy mode, which can only be locked in New Game Plus. So I guess <laughs> who's going to do it all over again? Oh, boy. Yes, uh, I probably won't be streaming as consistently, but overall, my thoughts on Final Fantasy 16 and just it overall, are you reading up on it now? No, I'm just going to okay. wait till after the show. All right, so my overall thoughts on Final Fantasy 16 is that it is a large game. It is a big game. Mm-hmm. It is a game that literally thrusts you into it, and you're just going to pick up all the knowledge in the game. They're not going to sit down and be like, okay, this is like story time. Here's what this means. Here's what that means. It comes very organic and very naturally, so it's really, really well written in that sense, okay. that by the time we got through the first act, um, I knew pretty much the basic understanding of who the, my main characters were mm. and the basic dialogues of what everyone keeps referring to. Well, thanks to active time lore, you can see all of that written in front of you. Yes, uh, <laughs> which is a great mechanic, and I want yeah. more, uh, games to do it. Also, a great mechanic is using the items, um, like <laughs> potions and um, stuff that you pick up, that says, hey, you no longer have uh, any room in here. So we're just going to make you use it immediately. <laughs> so you, there, there's no hoarding in the game, which I actually like. It, because it caps you, it says, okay, we, you can't use this. So instead of just like it going away, like you can't just don't have access to it, we're just going to make you use it now. And mm-hmm. at times that is really helpful of, hey, you know what? Just, just heal me. Just go ahead. I, I don't want to do it by myself, but if I'm full and you say I'm full, yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Let's use it. Why not? Yeah. Uh, great, great mechanic. Um, also, just the I want more games to do what they did in here, which is the um, basically it's like a monolith, but it allows you to replay sections of the game in in arcade mode. So you can take what you have now, replay those sections to get like a higher score. But in replaying it, you can also replay those cutscenes. In case you either missed it, didn't understand it the first time, mm-hmm. or just go back and like see it from a new perspective of like that's smart. Oh, like I did this, and like this is like the consequences of it. You can go back to like the beginning of like all those dominoes falling and see like oh yeah. like yes I remember you talking about this, but I'm gonna go back and say oh now I understand what they're talking about instead of like actually playing the whole game through a second time. Right, you can go to specific chapters and sections and be like I want to replay this specific section. And hopefully I'll understand it better this time than just, yeah, okay, it's just going to wash over me. I'll pick it up eventually. Right. A lot of times it would happen, but mm-hmm. the fact that you're even able to do that is great. And I want more games to do that. That's pretty so, cool. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of good quality of life stuff in here. Um, one thing I do wish they did better was uh, the hunt board. Uh, they tell you where it is, but they don't show you on the map where it is. No. It's just, it's like kind of like an old timey um, wanted poster, like located in this area. Here's what they're saying about it. Like, if you head in this direction, you'll find it. Yeah. So I wish more, it was like, okay, like point me into this direction so I can run immediately to there instead of kind of like, okay, it said it's here, it's around here, I think it's over here. And then, whoa, being thrown into a, a, a fight. Yeah. Other than that, it's a really good game. It's a long game. It's a heavy game. Lots of heavy themes. Uh, was not expecting things, heavy themes about brothers um, tied in with heavy themes about fate and God. 
of like your creator and making your creator, mm -hmm. meeting your maker, um, destiny and thwarting it. Lots of heavy themes in this thing that I was not expecting it to go into. Okay. Uh, I know Final Fantasy is typically known for going into kind of these. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> uh, but uh, one of the, uh, the thing that I really like that a game does really well is you're doing all these things for your own just cause only to get to the end and realize <laughs> that what you've done is left a wake of destruction in your way, and ultimately what you did ended up being useless because, hey, the big thing you should have been worried about was right in front of you the whole time. You just helped them along their way. Yeah. Um, And just the theme of fire in this as fire can be like a phoenix, like fire, birth, rebirth, um, life, like Prometheus. But fire can also be destruction, decay, right. chaos, and how it blends both the beauty and the elements of those two seemingly dynamic oppositions, but forged of the same term of fire. Really, really well done in this thing. Right. It's a great game, great story. Um, I wanted to win awards. <laughs> I, well. That being said, it is going up against the heavy hitter that is um, Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah, it's going to be an uphill hill battle, I think. Yeah, I I, I really love wow, Final Fantasy sixteen. I really love what it did. I like how it ends yeah. on a very both hopeful note and a bit ambiguous to leave the door open for DLC. But it also doesn't need DLC. So, it, yeah, there's what, a lot of it that does wrap up kind of neatly. What do you think they do do? Uh, do they do you see an expansion? Do you see story content? Do you see just a new game plus kind of approach? Like, what do you do next if you're square here? Well, one, I think you do something akin to uh, Final Fantasy 13-2, Lightning's Return. Okay. And you do a Clive's return, spoilers, <laughs> or you do a uh, Joshua's rebellion, which is the other brother, and or not Joshua's rebellion, but what's like Joshua's story and how he continues the story from the events of the end of the game, mm. and have him kind of like a walking story of reliving like his brother's life of like. You know, like, we were separated for such a long period of time. I don't know what happened in his life during that time. Mm -hmm. So I want to travel the world, the lands, and talk to and interact with these people who knew him or knew of him or told stories of him and figure out and kind of parse through the, again, uh, the kind of legend and fact and where fact meets legend and essentially form what would become the ending tome of this of the of the game maybe maybe they'll do that who can say uh but like that's just one way it can go there you can also <laughs> like tackle other characters as well mm -hmm. uh like jill find out like her story how she moves forward from the ending here uh there is an ambiguous ending for a different character 
whether they lived or died, who knows? It'd be interesting to see, like, oh, like we can get confirmation. And then play as Bahamut. <laughs> oh. Maybe. But yeah. All sorts of directions they could go. Yeah. Really good, mm-hmm. really good game. Really love the story. Cool. Music is fantastic. <laughs> just putting it on a playlist and just hit repeat. Just rocking that that soundtrack all year long. Yes, here. yes, rock, rocking that battle theme. <laughs> yeah, that's always <laughs> and, and that's just, tradition. Yep, and just even the the screen music, the waiting music is very, um, I want to say easy listening because it's just <laughs> scales, it's just scales going up and scales going down. <laughs> But the way it's done, it's just oh, <laughs> very nice, well, very very I'm, pleasant to listen to. I'm glad it landed well. I'm glad it uh uh didn't worth like, the money. Yes, yeah, that didn't betray you at the end there. Well, good. Yes. I'm glad you liked it. Cool. Uh, yes. That's another great game in 2023. What a concept! What a year so far in video games. I mean, pretty good stuff. Yeah. All right. Let's move on, though, because we're done talking about video games. Let's talk about some television, and we always start the television section with the Sports Corner. And we start today's Sports Corner talking about some golf. Brian Harmon is your Open winner with a six-stroke lead. Technically, it is the British Open, but they don't call it the British Open. They call it the Open. The Open. (laughs) It's yes. like what's uh, they just ch- call it food, a uh, Chinese food, food in China. <laughs> same thing. <laughs> Not quite, but yes, essentially the same thing. Uh, rotating <laughs> on different course, uh, but yeah, congratulations! You basically he basically had this thing wrapped up by day three, as he was minus ten, and had a six-stroke lead at that time. So yeah, yeah. When you get off to a pretty hot lead. start, it's pretty hard to catch up. Turns out. Also, the uh, weather was shitty on that final day. Yeah. Rain and wind everywhere. Yikes. So no one was catching them. No. I don't think so. Speaking, speaking of, of things people want to catch. Yeah, speaking of catching. Uh, so, yeah, we'll get there in a moment. But before we get there, yes, it is one week before the MLB trade deadline. That would be on August 1st. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in just one week, we'll know the fate of all sorts of different players who are either on uh, the bubble of getting traded or maybe not traded or extended or not extended or released or not released. We're going to find out the answer to all of these questions and more in the next seven days. So yeah, there's a lot of names, but of course, no name is bigger than Shohei Otani, whose fate uh, rests in the balance at the moment. The team has gone back and forth, the team of course being the Angels, about whether or not they intend on keeping Otani. It seems like the quote seems to change uh, from the front office, depending on how the team is doing. <laughs> so so you should uh, basically use that as your barometer going into this week. Uh, we will see how this current series against the Detroit Tigers goes. Um, as it is right now, they actually just came off of a pretty good homestand, uh, winning, uh, winning six games, uh, uh, nine. Seven out of ten. Seven out of ten, uh, which is pretty good. Um, so, oh no, no, you're right. Six out of nine. Six out of nine. Lost three of those. That way, yeah. I thought. Yeah. So yeah, um, the question, this, the vibe seemed to be that if the the that if the Angels seemed like they were poised to have a chance at a playoff, um, 
like at least a wild card spot uh, by the time the trade deadline hit that maybe he would stay, but that is not really the case. Right now, it is a too-close-to-call situation where you have the team kind of in limbo, neck-and-neck neck with the Seattle Mariners about whether or not we will be in contention for the wildcard spot. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now, if you're the front office of the Angels, I don't know what you do. Because basically, let's let's break it down. So you have the choice, basically, of spending a lot of money to keep a generational talent on your team. It will be basically a guarantee that fans will continue, you know, coming to games. It's a big draw, uh, like both, like for not only for attendance, but also for like hearts and minds for the fans, and also for press, worldwide press. Like we all know about how the Japanese press is obsessed with everything Otani does, and they swarm Angels Stadium every time that there's something like when he's there and playing, and like so, there's a lot of reason to keep him. But then if you look at the other side of the argument, there's a lot of reason to trade them because you can literally take someone's entire we, bankroll. <laughs> and we, we, we've talked about it on this podcast before. He is worth at least two star players in two different positions. He is worth a starting pitcher and a position player straight up. Like there is no debate over that. He is not a one for one trade. He is a two for one trade at least plus money <laughs> because that is how much he's worth. And if you let him go to free agency, you lose that. Yeah. If of you course. yes, if he's yeah. stale on the Angels roster past August first, he cannot be traded mm-hmm. even after the season ends. He goes into yeah. free agency. Well, and, and but there is also the other weird possibility. He does get traded, then that team does not extend him, and he ends up just coming straight back to the Angels. That could happen. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of possibilities here. Because yeah. In order for him to immediately move to another team, they have to buy out the rest of his contract for this year as well. And so that's a lot of money. And there are some teams that are willing to pay that out there. And whether or not they actually come to the Angels with a deal or not is kind of the question. Now, we shouldn't make it just this just about Otani. There's a lot of big names, other big names that are kind of have question marks around them. I saw Clayton Kershaw talks happening about whether he might be somebody who might be a part of a lucrative trade. Very possible. Um, a lot of questions and a lot of big names. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting week. Well, I mean, you know who could sign up for a one-year deal? Saudi Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> well, thankfully we haven't had that conversation about baseball yet, but uh, we will have that conversation in a moment about another sport. But before we get there, Hey, it's soccer fever again. The Women's World Cup continues. They won their first game, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. So they're already off to a hot start uh, with a lot of young talent, a lot of new names um, on the on the team this year. It's very exciting to see, and they seem to just be as talented as usual. Uh, let's see here. Right now, Germany is in the lead with plus six goal differential. Mm-hmm. And uh, then is Brazil at plus four, followed oh, and then Japan plus five. So those are your top three teams. Um, everyone has played at least one game. Group A has played two games today, and then tomorrow's B, then C, then D, all the way. Yeah. So USA yeah. will play again on. What are they playing next? 
I think it's in two days on Thursday. All right. So we should have a better idea of their look in the standings by next week, when now once they have another game under their belt. Mm-hmm. So we'll see then. In the meantime, no, no, they, on... they play tomorrow. They play tomorrow ah, versus tomorrow. Netherlands on the Wednesday. All righty. Well, moving on from football to football, the Washington Commanders finally sold after back and forth for a few years here about whether or not their owner so, was actually going to give them up. Yes, they yeah. they were technically sold earlier in the year, but, but not this really. was the official league meeting opening day operandum, how we're going to run this year. Yeah. And first order of business was the sale of the Washington Commanders. Yes, so $6 billion was the tune of the deal. And hey, guess what? Another name change is, quote, not off the table. <laughs> so if you don't like the Commanders, well, guess what? You might be in luck because it might have another name that's also not the original name. So uh, we'll see. That's okay. Hopefully you kept your Washington football team merch. <laughs> it's going to be worth a lot of money. No, because I was like, I'm probably going to go back to. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? I don't, I don't think the Commanders is a bad name, to be clear. I didn't think the Washington football team was a bad name. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a bad name. <laughs> to let the record state. Uh, but yeah, we'll see what happens. I feel like they should just keep the Commanders. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's a fine name. <laughs> Anyways. Let's move on. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain have granted Mbappe permission to discuss personal terms with Al-Hilal after the Saudi Arabian soccer team offered a world record fee of around $332 million for him. The 24-year-old stands to earn $776 million for a one-year deal with the Saudis. Mbappe would still be able to join Real Madrid in 2024. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> Kylian Mbappe kind of made his name out there uh, during the last Men's World yeah. Cup for the French team. Currently plays for Paris Saint-Germain. Yeah. He has a verbal agreement to play with Real Madrid in 2024 after the current season. But, but... in the meantime, mm-hmm. Paris Saint-Germain has the option or has basically said like if you want to Mbappe to play on your team, you'll have to pay a astronomical fee. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, Saudi Arabia wrote them a blank check and said, "We want him. Fill in the number." Mm-hmm. And they sell around three hundred and thirty-two million dollars to the team. That's not three hundred thirty-two dollars to Mbappe. Mm-hmm. That is three hundred and thirty-two million dollars to the team for the rights of Kylian Mbappe for the remainder of the year, at which they will then pay him. million. Yeah. It's a lot of money getting thrown around in this deal. And a tenth of what Otani stands to make. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's a different game, literally and figuratively. Um, Yeah, I don't know what to really, to how to read this. I'm not super familiar with the stuff, but it seems like it's happening more now than it ever has. With these kind of like different, all these different leagues trying to poach these players. Uh, it's fascinating to watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw a similar kind of thing tried, attempt to happen with the live golf fiasco before they just decided to, if you can't beat them, join them. Um, yes. But instead, we see 
in like with with international soccer, you see this kind of deal making that doesn't happen really here in any sport. Right, especially with this youth at 24 years old. Yeah, jeez. Unlike say someone an elder statesman like Lionel Messi, who <laughs> signed with Miami FC earlier right. this year and played his first game with them this past yes. weekend and scored happen. one goal with them already. So there you uh, go. The game winner. So yeah, he's one game, one goal on his way to break even for the season. <laughs> already. So yeah, just goes to show you like these guys are lucrative and you got want to get get them when they're young so that you can hold on to their best years and yeah, like we'll see what happens with Mbappe. I just hope we have more stories about him because I love saying Mbappe. It just feels good Okay, on Hansen. It just feels good to say. <laughs> very funny all right anything else in sports before we move on to television news uh no i think we're good uh nfl preseason training camp is happening every team has officially reported uh so if they're in your area you can go watch them otherwise the hall of fame game is next thursday all right Look forward to that. In the meantime, let's talk about some television news. First, we visit the world of Netflix, who has decided to change up their tier system again by killing off its cheapest ad-free plan. It's it's basic. Sorry, it's like this. What are we going like this for? I'm not shaking it. (laughs) Basic tier is dead. The basic tier previously allowed users to watch all the movies and TV shows on the streaming platform in standard definition without ads for just $9.99 a month. Users can no longer sign up for the basic plan, either for new users or users rejoining. However, those who are currently already subscribed to the basic plan are grandfathered in and can keep the plan until they either switch plans or cancel their account. Unfortunately, users trying to keep their streaming bills low have just one other option. Signing up to standard with ads, which is, I guess, the the net new lowest tier, yes. will cost users six ninety nine a month. But the cheapest ad free option that's with ads, cheapest ad free option is now all the way up to the standard plan, which is fifteen forty nine a month. But it does also allow two simultaneous streams. Yeah, so that was kind of the good thing about basic was that it was one thing. Yeah. It was uh, you have a all everything you want, no ads, but one screen. Standard is two screens, yeah. um, simultaneous streams. You can still have your account, um, if you're standard for basic, to watch like in multiple devices, but just one stream at a time. But also, I didn't even realize they were still offering a standard deaf stream. Like, who wants that? <laughs> Like, what would that even look like now? That stuff's shot in 4K. Like, what's that? What would I be looking at for in 480i? Like, I can't even fathom it. <laughs> wow, it's 2023, people. But yeah, this just makes sense. This just makes it simple. It simplifies the, the the options, even though it is yes more expensive. Well, yes, it's killing one tier in order to, to force people to move down or up. Yeah. And based on the numbers where they added 6 million users despite killing their <laughs> password sharing, yeah. they want people to move up to get paid more. You know, so Netflix can get paid more and the writers and actors don't. <laughs> yeah, we don't have this in the story today because it literally broke like hours before we recorded. But 
also in the news today with Netflix is apparently they posted a job listing on their website for a AI role that would pay $900,000 salary. Uh, to be an AI? Or to write no, their I AI? No, I guess to work, to work on their AI system. Yeah. Oh, okay. And like people, so so wait, they're willing to pay for that, but not creative to work on their yes. own. It's disgusting. It's the worst, but that's out there. Anyways, let's move on uh, because yeah. I don't want to talk about that anymore. No, let's well. instead talk about. Oh, didn't let's talk story. about someone who can kick anything, physical or not. Yeah, this was a weird one. Um, hey, remember Chuck Norris? <laughs> well, more than five years. After Norris sued CBS for more than $30 million over profits from the eight seasons plus of his hit show, Walker, Texas Ranger, which I just want to remind people, has not been on the air for decades. Right. This is the Chuck Norris version, not the CW uh, version. Yes, not Walker, I believe is the name of that show. Yes. Okay. Uh, lawyers and spokespeople for both sides say, quote, the parties have resolved the dispute. The initial complaint from Norris is, Top Kick Productions, yep. great name for your production <laughs> studio, Chuck, alleged that Sony and CBS engaged in self-dealing that cost Top Kick millions of dollars in past and future license fees. With estimates that the series made over $692 million since its 1993 debut, the filing claimed, quote, the defendants have consciously sought to market, sell, and distribute Walker in ways that are designed to collect significant fees and revenues from the ongoing exploitation of walker but without having to honor or pay top kick and to instead materially breach the 23 percent profit clause end quote stating his reputation was part of the reason that cbs picked up walker in the first place norris was seeking at least 30 million dollars from the network and sony for the revenue they made via streaming platforms and more so yet another example of creatives feeling like they're being screwed over by lack of residuals and lack of payments for the thing that the studios and the network benefit from. Last time we've talked about this was um, that with uh, the movie, this is spinal tap. Yeah. How they weren't receiving proper residuals checks. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like if, if uh, Norris is correct with this 23% profit clause being in the contract that they originally signed, like, it probably was written in a time where they didn't realize it was going to be streaming forever. Right. It didn't exist. Why is it streaming forever? Just all the multiple networks that yeah. run Walker, Texas Ranger. Yeah. Um, for like all the old, no, I don't say all the old people, but like <laughs> no, just you're right. reruns. No, you're, you're not wrong. That's correct. Uh, it's on one of those, probably all those satellite, weird, like not satellite, uh, those digital extension channels on like, mm -hmm. you know, like, Cozy TV and yes. antenna TV. It's like those are probably running Walker Texas Ranger reboot uh, uh, repeats all the time. But yeah, anyway, um, I'm glad they ended up settling. I'm hoping that they got some of their money from it. Not that, you know, I want Chuck Norris to do too well. He's kind of a weird guy these days. But um, but the reason why we have these strikes in the first place with SAG-AFTRA and the WGA is because of this exact conversation. It is the studios and networks are not giving residual, like, correct residual payments for the people who make these shows that they profit on. And, yeah, so just as long as that's the case, we're going to keep seeing these things come up. 
And who in the right mind wants to fight Chuck Norris anyways? No, you're gonna get roundhouse kicked to the face. Like anybody it's like lived he did to the, this case. Yep. You if anybody if you're like us, you lived through the 2010s and all the Chuck Norris jokes. <laughs> um so yeah, just just rattle them off in your head. Anyways. <laughs> let's move on. Uh speaking of things that were front where were popular before <laughs> that have somehow come back. Futurama inexplicably is has returned. For the uh fourth or fifth time now. Depending it's, on which one you want to count. <laughs> I would say it's technically the fourth time. So the Fox run. Yes. The direct-to-DVD movies. Which there were three of. Yeah, but that's technically one run. Yes, it's brought up into one season. Yeah. And then the Comedy Central reboot. And, and now, now the Hulu reboot. Hulu reboot. So this is the fourth time that Futurama has come back from the dead, ostensibly. Um, and, well, it seems largely the same, which is weird to say. Uh, so I Which watched... is both, like, good and bad. Yeah, I think that's probably a good uh, explanation of what's happened here. Wait, so you watched this one? I watched, let's say, 75% of the first episode of this season, which, by the okay. way, they're crediting as season 11. Yes. Uh, because this, that would be technically where they would have been after the Comedy Central series had ended. Um, so are these all the episodes in the season available now, or is, are they distributing no. it over time period? They're over a period of time, a weekly episodes. Okay. So the first one is out right now, and then the first, I want to say 10, until they do a break for the next 10. Yeah. Because 20 were ordered. Okay. So what's your relationship with, with Futurama? How much of it have you watched? Uh, I'm curious. Well, watched it all. Rewatched oh. it all. Okay. Watched them first runs on Comedy Central when it came back. Really? Okay. Yeah. So that is more than me. So I just watched the Fox run. I've seen bits and pieces of the movies. And I watched the premiere of the Comedy Central run and mm -hmm. did not think it was good and decided I was not going to watch the Comedy Central. <laughs> so that's my experience. And I had a repeat of that experience this time as well. I don't think that I'm going to go back to it. Um, I just don't think Futurama's for you then, and that kind of... I love the Fox run. That's the yeah. thing. And I'm frustrated that it just doesn't recapture that magic for me, because I think those first four Fox seasons are stellar television. I think some of the best animated, like, like show primetime shows like that that have ever existed. Like, there's some really great stuff in there. But they just, for me, were not able to replicate the quality up to the tier, up to like that, the bar was too high and they just haven't been able to cross it for me. And so, yeah, it's just, it's hard for me to return to it. I think that there are some good gags in this first episode, but there were too many other, like too, too many other ones that I were just like, all right, okay. The fact that they basically do the exact same bit that Animaniacs did in their Hulu reboot, which mm -hmm. is dedicate their fire pilot based on the concept of hey what if we made fun of a reboot the concept of having a reboot on hulu and i'm just like i've seen this too many times now like it's just to me it felt like a retread of something three other shows have already done it's also a uh we, we just had commentary on binge and streaming and mm. like just i mean they've been off the air since 2011 2012 i don't know it's been about 10 years 
which you know they comment on in the show. Uh, but I just I like where it, it's it brings it brought it right back to like I think like you said like those Comedy Central runs mm -hmm. yeah. where it's okay we need to reestablish what it is that we're trying to tell now. Uh, and for the most part, I think it is kind of a what the season kind of I hope is um, a sto more stories about what happened in not only the time gap of the 10 years, mm -hmm. but also in the difference between the meta commentary that we are in now, which is what Futurama has always been about, of how like, hey, even in the future, like a thousand years in the future, they're still bickering over the same stuff that we're bickering over now, just yeah. in a different context uh so i have hope for the season okay um all all the actors are back um we went over uh the whole uh john dimaggio yeah thing, which he does get top billing in this now in the credit the credit role he does get the first voice actor credit yeah i feel like that was negotiated yeah um yeah, voice acting wise, it's interesting to bring up. I feel like it unfortunately suffers the same thing that The Simpsons suffers from now, which is the cast is aging and you can hear it. I think John DiMaggio comes out of it sounding relatively the same. I think Billy West sounds audibly old mm -hmm. uh, in a way that he didn't before. And well, that's what we noticed. When we did, it's what I noticed, like, first off the bat when the Animaniacs reboot happened. Yes, was same, that, yeah. Yes, you're getting the same actors, but you can tell that they're just not as snappy. They just sound old. It's just interesting when you have Futurama, when you have him playing two characters, one that's supposed to be much younger than the other. Right. And you hear Farnsworth sounds right, and Fry sounds way way older than he <laughs> did before. It's this weird dynamic. It's like, wait a minute, he's supposed to be this young guy. <laughs> it's, it is funny that they even admit, there's one of the gags I did appreciate was the one about like, yeah, and we can't really explain time, so we have no idea how old anybody is. <laughs> because it's, 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 it's a good joke, because when, like, time has passed, but these characters have never aged at all <laughs> in the same way as The Simpsons. And it's just, it's funny to have the show comment on that as if they're aware of it. It's just very funny. But, but yeah, um, I'm glad that, you know, people have Futurama back. People love it. And I'm glad that they're making the same kind of show that the fans expect them to make. It's just, yeah, I think I just have to accept that it's never going to be what it was uh, when I watched it. Which is just, yeah, that's fine. It's, it's not for me anymore, and that's okay. Yeah, um, that's okay. I'll keep watching it. It's for me. <laughs> right by alley. Right, right kind of humor. It's like, hey, we made this show specifically for you. <laughs> That doesn't happen a whole lot where like I'm all yeah. in on it and then you just pass on it. You know what? I, there's so much television right now. I'm glad to have one show that I'm not watching, honestly. <laughs> well, absorbing a lot of TV. However, nothing new. So I have nothing to talk about this week all besides right. that. But but let's move on because we have some cancellations and renewals to discuss. What am I no longer watching? Actually, no cancellations, just some renewals. We have Elite. Coming back for an eighth season on Netflix. And then a double dose of Walking Dead renewals on AMC. You have The Walking Dead, Daryl Dixon, renewed for a second season. That is ahead of its premiere later this fall. Mm -hmm. And The Walking Dead, Dead City, also which, renewed for a second season. Which just ended its first season. So there you go. If you were sad that The Walking Dead proper ended, well, 
Don't worry. There's more. There's always more. You can't kill the there's undead. Always, there's always more. However, we do have to talk about some very real deaths, unfortunately, this week. Just a couple here. Pamela Blair, age 73, was an actress in A Chorus Line, Annie, and weirdly enough, Beavis and Butthead do America. Uh, what what range? One of these things is not like the other, and yeah. yet she is the connection. But uh, yeah, known uh, for musical theater. So there you go. Yes. And then speaking of music, a music legend passed this week. Tony Bennett, age 96, of course, known for his standard I Left My Heart in San Francisco and other standards, including Rags to Riches and Because of You. Most recently, uh, people might have know, known him for his du- duet albums with Lady Gaga. And um, and plenty of other pop culture uh, events in which he guested on things or saying things for things. It's just like just a cre- oh, just a wonderful career full of full of things. Yeah, just everybody knows Tony Bennett. If you don't know, ask your mom. Yeah, or just uh, or watch the the Simpsons episode where he sings the song about Capital City. It's yes. classic. Anyway, uh, okay. so, twenty Grammys. Twenty Grammys is a lot of Grammys. Yes, let's be real. So, yes, we will miss Tony Bennett. Let's move on into the last segment of the show, which is movies. It's the one you've been waiting for, people. Check it right along. And we start movies, as always, with the weekend box office. And who? what a doozy of a box office this week. We have a new record, folks. This is the fourth biggest box office week in history. Weird to say in a post-pandemic world, huh? Well, just wait until you hear these numbers. Your number one movie this week is Barbie, with a whopping $162 million debut. And that's just domestic. Your number two was no slouch either. Oppenheimer premiered to $82 million, right behind Barbie, which makes Barbie almost twice what Oppenheimer made. Double feature. Then again, you can't fit two runs of Barbie into one run of Oppenheimer. That is true. So that probably makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. Number three, Sound of Freedom made another $19 million because of all those conspiracy theory nuts. So that's $124 million right now. Unfortunately, it is a hit. Number four, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Not as much of a hit uh, for Tom Cruise standards as it only made $19 million this week, uh, putting at $118 million. You have your number. Then at number five, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny still chilling around. $6.7 million this week. That's at $159. So yes, in one week, Barbie made more mo- more money than the Indiana Jones sequel has made so far in its entire domestic run of three weeks. Yeah, um, the entire run of July. So That's yeah. incredible. Uh, Barbie has made more money than Tom Cruise in two weeks and Harrison Ford in three weeks. It's obnoxious. It's absurd. It's wonderful. And it set some records, and we'll get there in a moment. But before we get into that record moment, let's talk about the new releases for this week that will immediately lose to Barbie. <laughs> You're that, semi-counter-programming, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and that will be Disney's Haunted Mansion, which is star-studded and has a decent cast to it, um, and is getting a marketing push, but I don't believe it has the, the muscle to beat uh, Barbie. I think Barbie will repeat at number one. That is my prediction. There's also the horror thriller Talk to Me from A24 okay. releasing this week. So, horror film in July. 
Yeah. But also I'm 844 sure. backing. So I'm sure someone will see it. All right. Let's see if this long ass Chiron will fit. Because let's go into movie news and our first story. It just does. Wow. Perfect. Um, where we have, yes, <laughs> a story about Barbie. As we mentioned, it was your number one movie with a bullet and director Greta Gerwig cemented box office history by marking the biggest debut film ever directed by a woman. Captain Marvel, which was co-directed by Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, previously held that title after earning $153 million in 2019. Meanwhile, Wonder Woman, from filmmaker Patty Jenkins, stood as the record holder for a movie solely directed by a woman, with its $103 million debut back in 2017. So now there's no more distinction between the two. Right. Greta Gerwig owns that title. Yes. Meanwhile, Barbie has notched several other box office records, including the biggest opening weekend of the year, besting the Super Mario Brothers movie, who only made $146 million its first week. Yeah, it was not only the largest overall box office weekend since the pandemic, but like I mentioned, it was the fourth biggest collective weekend of all time and the only one not to include a Disney film. Because the other ones were Avengers Endgame, Avengers Infinity War, and Star Wars The Force Awakens. So, yeah, Disney, uh, as we've reported, is having a weird year as they're Hits just aren't clicking. And um, you don't have this in today's stories, but I just will mention this here. There are some stories coming out, some reports coming out from insiders that seem to suggest that they're even uh, contemplating delaying some of their big tentpole releases for later in the year because they can't promote them as they were planning on it because the strikes. Because the actors cannot promote them. It's notable that this is happening because they're all supposed to be part of Disney's big 100-year celebration. But if they push these films out of their 100-year anniversary, how are they 100-year celebration films? Well, you know, 100 years is more of a saying. It's more of a feeling than it is like an actual date anyone has to stick to. It's why they've been promoting their 60-year anniversary at Disneyland for the past seven years. I know. You, you joke, but you know Bob Iger's going to have to say something like that if, for example, Wish becomes a February movie. What do you mean? Uh, I have his quote right here, written <laughs> by an AI. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so we'll see what happens. So yeah, that would include the big animated Wish, which yep. is due out later this year. November. For now. For now. Yes. And For now, other... Thanksgiving release. For now. And yeah, and a couple of other big tentpole releases. So we'll see. What Disney ultimately chooses to do. In the meantime, let's talk about our second story, which involves said strike. But turns out SAG-AFTRA is giving some free passes, depending on whether you earn it or not. Well, no, it's not really free passes. It's more mm. play by our rules. And and you can, if you play by our rules, we'll play by yours. Well, here's what's going on. So SAG-AFTRA has granted approval to 39 independent productions to be allowed to shoot during the strike after confirming that they are not tied to the companies that they're striking against part of the AMPTP. This list includes two projects from A24, which by the way is an independent production company and is separate from those entities. Those include Mother Mary starring Anne Hathaway and Michaela Cole and Death of the Unicorn starring Paul Rudd and Jenna Ortega which is set to begin shooting soon in Hungary. 
Some of those 39 projects are already completed, but still needed to obtain a waiver in order for the actors to do promotion for them. The productions agree to abide by the terms of the latest offer submitted by SAG-AFTRA during contract negotiations. Ultimately, the productions will adhere to the final deal negotiated by the AMPTP when that, ha when that happens. Duncan Crabtree Ireland, the union's executive director, said, quote, if independent productions are able to move forward on the union's terms, that undermines the studio talking point that the union's demands are unrealistic. So it acts as another bargaining point for when they eventually return to the table with the studios. And this is a great, great, excellent move yeah. on the SAG after his part. However, it has not been without its detractors. I yes. want to mention that there were some quotes coming out from some actors saying that they saw it was a double standard and that all actors needed to have solidarity with the strike in order for the movement to actually move forward. It looks like there's maybe some infighting about this going on, but if the union thinks it's good for the union, I'm going to personally say I trust the union's decision-making here. That's my personal view on it. Because what are you fighting against? You're fighting against the big studios. Um, also not part, notable part about this is uh, Marvel's own Mark Ruffalo was out on social media stating that he mm. thinks all actors should just try to work for these small indies right now in order to prove this point. Saying Wait, that Mark Ruffalo, the king of small indie films? <laughs> well, once upon a time, he was. And I think <laughs> that that DNA is still in him. And that, yeah, he was out there basically saying like, hey, we can all do this. Seek out these smaller companies. Make deals with indies because if, again basically repeat echoing this point which is if we make a point that they we can still make great movies not in within the system quote unquote mm -hmm. then the system will take notice and hey it could be true so do as the ruffalo says i guess and try it out there was also a huge donation of earlier today by one Dwayne his rockness Johnson, uh, that would help um, the SAG after strike continue. Um, as we reported last week, one of the main tactics of the AMPTP is to wait it out. They'll eventually yeah. run out of money. Yeah. Wayne Johnson said no. Yeah. Um, and donated a seven figure sum to the uh, striking cause yeah. in order to ensure that they would be able to strike through 20 or up until 2024, so through the remainder of the year. Yeah. Just so you know, I believe that was for the Entertainment Community Fund, mm -hmm. which is the fund that when the, that all the funds go directly to the cause of the strike. So if you, you don't have to be the rock to donate to them either. Um, this is actually one of the things, if you ask, remember, if you roll back the tapes last week, I mentioned that they're not calling for a boycott. Uh, but what they are calling for is if you can give the Entertainment Community Fund is where you want to give, and that will continue to fund the striking uh, striking workers. So there you go. Just in case you want to do that. Sure. All right. But let's move away from talk of strikes, and let's talk about the big release of this week. And no, like I said, at the top of the show, we did not see Barbie yet. Maybe next week. We That'll probably be next week. Next week. But for now, you were able to see 
from what I gather, at least part of Oppenheimer. <laughs> at least. I don't know what happened. So, All right, so regale let me. me. Let me tell you the tales and the woes of <laughs> seeing a 70 millimeter IMAX print <laughs> on opening day yes. where, um, let's just say things don't go according to plan because uh, in order to run a 70 millimeter projector, you need someone who knows how to run an actual projector. This is not a digital screen. You can't just hit play. Um, so <laughs> turns out. Turns out. So what do you do then when no one, and I mean no one in the theater that works for you, knows how to run a projector? Because, hey, aren't like projectors like old and ancient technologies? Plus they had to like resize the IMAX projector to hold a three-hour film. So... Yeah, complications ensued. It's like and, they you know, th those machines were not designed for this. Well, one, they weren't designed for this, and two, uh, you would you should um, you know probably test to make sure that this thing runs for the full length of the film before showing it instead of winging it day of. Because what just happened in my theater, it happened in about like ten of the thirty theaters where this was shown that had projection failures in it. Yeah. Um, so needless to say, some people decided to opt out uh -huh. of the uh screenings because they did not show and they could not show the mm. 30, 30, 30 millimeter print as intended. Wait, 30 or 70? 70. Why do I think yeah. 30? 30. <laughs> uh, no, because 30, 33 houses in total hold an IMAX right. on a 70 millimeter print numbers um but you know for your troubles i was able to get a copy of the 70 millimeter print so, oh shit yeah <laughs> look at that very cool yes thank you imax for providing what exactly the 70 millimeter print looks like yeah and as um someone joked at uh the screening that maybe this is what christopher nolan wanted along we just put these together and we just play them back and forth <laughs> and that's the film <laughs> yeah well there you go yes um so while i did not see the 70 millimeter print i stayed and for the imax digital print instead or production instead okay so i did see the film it yes. was just i was delayed in seeing it by a good two hours so, yeah you know Thank you for that. Didn't get out here till eleven thirty. Thank you for that. <laughs> on a six on a six p.m. showing. Oof. Rough. Oh, it was quite an ordeal. But hey, uh, with people leaving, meant I actually got better seats. I kind of enjoyed the movie better, you know, instead of cranking my neck or sitting in an awkward seating. So, you know, silver linings and all that. <laughs> But let's get into the actual beat of Oppenheimer. Enough with like all the yes. everything that's not surrounding the actual film, like all the, right. the hoopla about it. Because yes, believe it or not, underneath all the memes, there is a movie here. Um, Christopher Nolan's newest film uh, about, well, Oppenheimer. Yep. About the man himself and the creation of the atomic bomb. And he, basically his life and legacy let's say and right off the bat there's two kinds of prints out there in this film there is a print in color 
mm-hmm. and print in black and white. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the whole film, just right. in the film itself. It, uh, much like Memento does, another Christopher Nolan film, where it goes black and white and color. And essentially, it's a melding of that uh, that kind of structure where I'm, while I'm watching, I'm trying to figure out what's the purpose of the black and white? What's the purpose of the color? Like, why are there two different aesthetics in this film? Mm. And I'm not going to reveal it, but there's a great reveal at the end that explains everything. Okay. Um, and it's, it's it's one of the great things about Christopher Nolan is that when he does reveals like that, especially in dramatic pieces, it's meaningful. It's impactful, and it makes you want to watch it again, and make leaves you leave makes you leave the theater with just that constant curiosity, that constant reflection on a film, and that's what Oppenheimer does. It leaves you reflecting on it, um, not just on the great performance of Cecilian Murphy, mm-hmm. of the struggles of Oppenheimer and like how he deals with, well, not deals with the bad, not the right word, how <laughs> he um, wrestles within himself that he created such a destructive weapon. And the running theme of this is the cataclysmic events the ripple effects Mm. of such events um a lot of it is taken from both his own memoir and senate testimony um where he after the creation of the, the atomic bomb that he was then stripped of his security clearance where he could not talk about his creation and then ultimately given the presidential medal of freedom for said creation so it is a lot of back and forth not told in chronological order about oppenheimer um mm-hmm. about not just the creation of the bomb i want to get this clear the creation and the detonation of it is just the first half of this movie then there's the entire second half of the movie of the consequences of it and how his relationships dealt with in both the creation of it and his personal relationships ultimately affected the latter half of his life because of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is a great both think piece and dramatic piece shot extremely well. Give us things cinematic everywhere on the the cinematography awards. And it is a... How do I? How do I say that? It's not, okay. I don't think it's like the. There's two different sides of Christopher Nolan. There's a spectacle side, like mm-hmm. Tenet, like Interstellar, like Inception, The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight, <laughs> and then there's the dramatic side, like Memento, like um, Dunkirk, like Oppenheimer, The Prestige, The Prestige. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, Christopher Nolan. Man of two different film filming styles. Know which one you're getting into. Mm-hmm. This isn't the um, this isn't the spectacle. This is the character piece. But within that character piece is the spectacle. As everything is shot on an IMAX camera, everything is practical. Everything you see is practical. The only thing that is a digital effect is the touch up. But even then, they were able to put this thing on a print on seventy millimeter mm-hmm. print. And create the black and white print 
there's a lot of great technical stuff that I don't think a lot of people will appreciate. Like mm -hmm. the lay layman will not appreciate what has gone into creating this film. But as a cinephile, it is a great achievement unto itself. Right. Yeah, it's it's an interesting story when you boil it down because this guy is layered. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that you know the 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 easy way of saying it, it was a challenge for somebody with you know his kind of um, let's say political beliefs um, to make something that seemed to be so anti everything he stood for. Or was it? And that's the question I'm sure the film gets into and yes. really digs into. Is like, who is this guy? Why is he doing what he's doing? And yeah, in the aftermath, no pun intended, even though that's really dark pun. Yes. <laughs> um, in the aftermath of like that, how does that sit with him? Like, because not easily is probably the phrase that comes to my mind. Well, especially in a <laughs> post-war era of McCarthyism where everyone is out to get Everyone and yeah. trying to keep secrets and mm -hmm. find out who is friend and who is foe. Yeah. So, uh, or if there even is a foe, if it's just you're putting your own ideals and what you want to see into someone. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that it, it lives in this kind of continuum of other Nolan films and the kind of way he specifically approaches films. However, I think it's interesting that this is the first one in a long time that isn't shown in a complicated manner like you don't have to dissect in the way you had to dissect in the way like tenant and interstellar this is pretty straightforward do you think it benefits from that having a relatively at least comparatively linear structure it is linear in sense but as Nolan really does like to do shoot stuff in and present stuff in a non-linear format mm. i mean even look at dunkirk even though that was supposed to be a linear format that was still to told over three separate viewpoints, vantage points. Yeah, but I think there's a difference between like something like that, which a lot of movies does, and something like Interstellar, which is something completely different. You yeah. know? Like so so yeah, like how does this how do you think this ranks then? Like in his in his whole over? Because I've heard people saying that it's one of his best. Uh below Inception, because it's hard to um top that, I think. Especially okay. in a theater experience that yeah. I think when you think Christopher Nolan, you think Inception. But definitely above some of like his more critical stuff like like Memento. And Tenet. I think it's like and Tenet. It's definitely like the next step in that direction. But okay. I think he will always be chasing the high of Inception because that was such like a cultural milestone, especially in pop culture in the zeitgeist. Mm -hmm. Um hard to do that. <laughs> again <laughs> right like you're always chasing it so i'd say oppenheimer is just below that okay how about for you for the year so far like how does it stand in your own kind of movie rankings again just <laughs> below it's great <laughs> all right i okay. really like it i'm shocked because you're the nolan guy that i know and so to hear you say that it's not the best thing you've seen all year is actually kind of surprising to me yes uh but Spider-Man. Oh, wow. Okay. It's All right. still, I think, the best so far. Dang. Let's put it this way. Yeah. I went to a, the Oppenheimer premiere, and I walked away with the Barbie cup. So <laughs> That's right. We haven't seen Barbie yet, so let's let's wait until we rank our favorite movies until we, we get that one done. Anyway. All right. Well, yes. there's that's, then that's that. That's Oppenheimer. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to see it in the Senate theater. Um, it's not high on my uh, priority list. I probably will try to watch it when it comes to streaming of some sort. I know Christopher Nolan will yell at me, but it's fine. It's yes. fine. I don't need to. I'm, I'm just going to tune him out. Just be like, no, I'm going to watch this on my 4K TV. It's, yeah. right. it's funny you say that because there's a shot where he tunes people out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I do think that this is something that, that is meant to be watched on a big screen, mm. especially around other people, so you get that same kind of reaction and timing. Sure. Um, also, but... if you are seeing this in a theater, please do not bring your young children to theaters. <laughs> it is an R-rated film, folks. Yes. Uh, oh, that's one thing I didn't mention. Seeing in giant IMAX <laughs> nakedness. Yes, I've heard about um, Cillian 70 Murphy. millimeter go- seventy millimeter dong. <laughs> yes, you not, will not see. just Cillian Murphy. <laughs> yeah, you will see seventy millimeter dong. You ready? Yes, yes. Also, uh, seventy <laughs> millimeter, very very naked Florence Pugh. Well, there you go. Something so for that, everybody. Yes, if one of those piques your interest, <laughs> <laughs> equal opportunity film Oppenheimer. <laughs> All right. Well, that's enough. That, that's definitely enough of Oppenheimer. It's more Oppenheimer than I wanted. Uh, let's move on. Um, actually, that's it because that's the end of the show. Did you watch anything? Uh, no, no movies this week for me. Um, okay. Nothing of note. So, yeah. There is means- one that I wanted to get to. I didn't get around to it. Uh, it came out on Friday on mm-hmm. Netflix called They Cloned Tyrone. It is stars um, Tayona Paris. Jamie Foxx, and John Boyega. Okay. It looked like an interesting film. Um, I meant to watch it over the weekend. I didn't get around to it. Had other stuff <laughs> happen. I'm sure. Um, but uh, I'll probably watch that uh, before the next podcast. All right. Well, in that case, we'll see all of you next week when we do this podcast all over again. Well, not this specific podcast. Another podcast where yes. we talk about new things. Including, and not limited to, possibly talk about Barbie. Talk about that. New shows, other games, all sorts of news. So tune Post in. Post Malone next week. Maybe. Uh, Maybe. Tune in for all of that and more uh, next week. We have been the Media Boat Podcast. We remain the Media Boat Podcast. And we will be the Media Boat Podcast in the future. You can find us on all sorts of things. If you want to see us in video form, like this right now, where you can see our faces, you can go to YouTube and find our channel, Media Boat. Just search that in the podcast, in the search thing, and you'll find us there. Find our channel, like, subscribe, click the bell for notifications if we ever do go live again. You can also find us in audio form on podcast services such as iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, even though they're going to make you pay more. Uh, we didn't talk about that, but yes, premium is going up. Um, and all sorts of other things. Just search Media Boat Podcast and you'll find us. You can find us on the web, mediaboatpodcast.com. You can find us on IMDb by searching Media Boat Podcast if you really want to. Our, our episodes are there. It's weird. Yeah, um, there's also a synopsis there, too. All right. Here. Social social media. We're on X <laughs> at Media Boatcast. I hate saying it. I hate well, it's okay, because you'll still find us at twitter.com backslash media boat. <laughs> yeah, we're still there. Yes. Uh, but yes, I guess we're on the platform known now as X. I'm going to say the, the app formerly known as Twitter. Um, you can find yes. us there, uh, zeding away uh, <laughs> at Media Bookcast. We're also on Facebook. 
Yeah, I don't know. Should we make a threads? Do you think it's time? I don't know. Technically, we have a Discord. I, I guess so. I guess we should make a threads just in case. I guess so. You should get yeah. on that. Make us All a right. threads. You have I an, guess. You have an Instagram, right? Uh, technically, yes. I did not use it, but I have an Instagram. <laughs> okay. I think you can make a threads then. Um, okay. So, yeah. Maybe by next week, we'll have the threads. And we'll be at Media Boatcast there. Uh, so, yeah. We're all those places and more. And if uh, you can watch uh, Mike finish up Final Fantasy 16 on the archive on our Twitch channel. You can find that at twitch.tv slash mediaboat. And you can also find us to streaming other stuff maybe uh, later in the week. Probably not on Thursday, though. I have something else I need to do. I might be able to stream. Uh, I don't know what I'll stream, though. So stay tuned. Find out. Uh, in the meantime, we'll be back next week. So thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys next time. Yep, We'll be back, we'll be back with more news, more thoughts, and maybe more of us. Maybe. Maybe. Um, all, right. all right. Bye. Bye.